0: Episode 60, Emotional Trauma and the Role of Chinese Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Justin Trosclare, and today we are C.T. Holman Perspective. Join 2017 Podcast Awards-nominated host, Dr. Justin Trosclare, as he gets a rarely-seen look into the specialties of all types of doctors and guests, plus marketing, travel tips, struggles, goals, and relationship advice. Let's hear A Doctor's Perspective. Our guest today is the Director of Development for thelotusinstitute.com. He's teached internationally. He's been to China three times to learn about Chinese medicine and acupuncture. He has some pretty new things. I know we kind of talked about facial acupuncture, but he looks at the face and pulses for diagnosis. Big believer in Qigong and how it affects his life. Plus, he wrote a book on emotional trauma. And the role of Chinese medicine in acupuncture. And that's the big reason why we got him on the show today. I think you're really going to enjoy it. We dive deep into scattered chi and the five elements. And I didn't realize, but you'll learn as well, that there's an emotional component. There's a spiritual component. All these things. And he can help you with that. I hope you're enjoying the acupuncture series so far. It's been great to see a different perspective on a doctor's perspective. Remember all the show notes can be found at a doctorsperspective.net slash six zero. You can find the books that he mentions, his own book links to purchase and a bunch of other things. Stay tuned after the show for special announcements like my new book, as well as ranking us on iTunes and wherever you listen to podcasts. Let's go. Hashtag behind the curtain. Live from China, continuing our acupuncture spotlight month. We have an amazing guy from Oregon. With redwoodspring.com, he has an amazing book called Treating Emotional Trauma with Chinese Medicine. And, of course, that is the main reason why we got him on the show today. But he's also the Director of Development for the Lotus Institute, teaches internationally. Please welcome C.T. Holman. Thank you so much for having me today. Absolutely. Well, I would definitely want to know, you know, start out, how did you become interested in acupuncture? And if you want to bridge that right into the... Uh, emotional part with Chinese medicine and and just so the guests know It might sound like we're pitching his book all nonstop, but I'm intrigued by it And that's kind of the part of the show is I have questions. I want answers So we just talk about it and if you end up buying the book great if you just learn something that's great, too so without any more introduction (laughs) What got you involved in acupuncture?
1: Well, really it was uh, I've always wanted to be in a helping field and the philosophy is what really drew me to Chinese medicine And I started studying in San Francisco, and then I went to China, and I've always been drawn to treating the emotions and trying to help balance them. So through my years of studying with different teachers, I've really developed some treatments that are pretty effective for treating emotional trauma, and Singing Dragon approached me to uh, to write a book, and I decided to write this book, Treating Emotional Trauma in Chinese Medicine.
0: Now, is this like a a self-help book or is this going to be a book that requires um, some self-exploration but then seeking a professional?
1: Well, it's really geared towards a wide audience. I mean, there's a lot of technical information for uh, Chinese medicine practitioners, but I also wrote it so patients could read it. Anybody interested in uh, emotional trauma, treating emotional trauma in any fields could look at it and see Chinese medicine's approach. So in the book, it talks about um, the etiology of emotional trauma, how we diagnose it in Chinese medicine with different techniques like facial diagnosis, pulse diagnosis, channel palpation, the tongue diagnosis, and then how do we differentiate the different emotions that people experience after trauma? How do we get them settled? How do we soothe the trauma memory? And going through the differentiation of those um, different patterns what you're going to see diagnostically, and then the different acupuncture, you're going to do the herbs. And then, uh, you know, more in a broad way, like you said, kind of a self-exploration, really trying to help understand how to process the old trauma and then even prevent impacts of future trauma.
0: And when we say trauma, what are we talking about here, like depression, abuse, Well,
1: emotional trauma really is a pretty uh, wide reach. I mean, it can be anything from abuse, from childhood trauma, from birth trauma, from a car accident, from a divorce, loss of a loved one, natural disaster. So really, all these different things are now being validated and seen as it's not, we say PTSD or emotional trauma, we're not just talking about combat trauma. We're talking about a wide range of uh, different uh, shocks or different events in people's lives that have you know, been pretty significant for them, everybody experiences things differently. So you know, one, you know divorce to one person might not be as extreme to somebody else. And so we really try to help with them to get past that initial shock trauma that then sets up a whole um, process physiologically in the body that doesn't allow the body to fully work at its uh, very efficiently or its full capacity. And it does limit the homeostatic balance.
0: So when I say emotional trauma, it really it really uh, covers quite a bit. And the emotions that we're talking, anxiety, depression, mm-hmm. anger, right. those types of things. Yeah. So we're looking at, you know, we talk about the five elements, the different emotions you can
1: experience with each organ or each spirit of the organ. So, yeah, things like um, worry and anger and depression and anxiety, all these different things that, that manifest after an emotional trauma. Hmm.
0: Now... You said you went to to China before. was mm-hmm. it specifically to uh, study and train? or
1: Yes, so it was after it was as I was finishing up my degree uh, at the American College of Traditional Chinese Medicine in San Francisco, I went to Chengdu and studied at the University Hospital there. and I worked in the internal medicine departments and um, you know, primarily working with herbs, and then I studied with an acupuncturist on the side there. And then I've went back twice uh, since then to Beijing to study with my
0: teacher, who recently just passed away, Dr. Wang Yi in Beijing. Mm-hmm. Isn't that pretty wild though? Like in Chengdu, in a hospital, I and mean, that's kind of right. where I'm at right now as well. Like not in Chengdu, but just a short twelve-hour train ride, and I'm there. But <laughs> you just said internal medicine, like that's how integrated they expect acupuncture and herbs and things like that. Like sure, we have Western medicine, mm-hmm. but we also trust that our 5,000-year-old history right. will work as well. <laughs> yeah. It was pretty amazing
1: to be working in the cardiology department and have um, the doctors I was working with you know, prescribe herbs and also write a script for a pharmaceutical at the same time. Or when I was working <laughs> in the nephrology department and they were interpreting uh, the urine test and seeing what was going on. you know, If they had protein in the urine, what would that mean in Chinese medicine? So I think it's a real interesting place right now where – they're really trying to bridge those gaps between Western and uh, Eastern medicine.
0: Now, when you're learning about like herbs and those types of things for emotional trauma, for for really anything,
1: mm-hmm.
0: is it does it have to always go back to like the five element style, or are there just kind of protocols? You know, drink the cinnamon tea for this, right. <laughs> boil some ginger for that, or what? Well,
1: I think that's a really good question because in Chinese medicine, the classically it was always looked at as a uh, array of patterns an array of signs that then gave you an idea of what's really the pattern going on for anxiety. You know, there's many formulas that treat anxiety. There's many acupuncture prescriptions that treat anxiety, but it's really identifying for that person what is their constitutional makeup and what are the specific imbalances for them. So absolutely differentiating uh, for the herbs and the acupuncture and the lifestyle and nutrition and all these things that you then recommend.
0: So you mentioned the pulse. You mentioned the tongue. Mm-hmm. I've had a guy, and I've talked about it before. He was asking me a couple of questions, and he checked the pulse and was just mm-hmm. kind of sitting there for about a minute. What kind right. of things are you looking for? Because obviously to Westerners, we're like, dude, come on. So <laughs> right. What are you feeling for? It seems like thinking? smoking beers sometimes
1: when you see some guy who's your pulse forever. Yeah, there's quite a few things you feel with the pulse. And so there's different pulse lineages, and that's something I've really been involved with in terms of studying with different teachers is trying to study with teachers who are holding a certain lineage. There's many different styles of uh, diagnosing the pulse. There's like there's Tibetan styles, there's Chinese styles, there's Korean styles, uh, Japanese, and I study with this one style. It's called the Shen Hammer Pulse Style. It's quite prolific in the United States, and it's it's quite it's taught quite a bit in Europe as well. And it's uh, Doctor Doctor Shen who held this lineage and taught uh, Doctor in. United States who's a psychologist, psychiatrist actually, uh, um, Leon Hammer, and there's a system that you use when you feel the pulse. So you're feeling multiple pulses. So you check the radial artery, you're feeling for the strength, you're feeling for the rate and the rhythm, but there's also qualities. There might be a quality of we say slippery or a quality of choppy And that might be on the overall pulse, but then within the radial artery, there's several pulses that relate to the organs. So there's a pulse for the lung, there's a pulse for the heart, there's a pulse for the uh, the spleen, Um, so the liver. So we look at each one of these organs and then decide what's going on with that organ's pulse to understand better of the um, overall makeup and the overall balance of the emotions and the organs.
0: So you have a system, like when you first start, your brain is thinking... X, Y, and Z. And then once you've gotten an idea for that, you might jot it down. And then you're like, all right, let me think about the liver pulse. What what is that supposed to feel like versus what I'm feeling? And then on to the kidney, then on to the next one? Yeah, correct. So you know, really, for me, I try to keep myself pretty
1: open when someone first walks to the clinic. Because one thing in the book that I talk about, another diagnostic technique that I propose is intuiting the spirits of the organs so in chinese medicine we have the five elements you know you've heard of water and wood and these kind of things well with each organ there's also a spirit that's involved there's emotions involved so like for the for the kidney which is the water element typically we'll see fear or willfulness in that in that organ system that would be more of how the emotion is presenting or the reaction happening but then there's a spirit that goes with each one of these organs so for instance with the kidney, we call it the jur. And what that really is about is somebody's will, their their um, their understanding of their life path, their kind of their life force going through, versus the liver would be associated a lot of times with the emotion of anger or um, rage or conflict, fighting, this kind of thing. But the liver, the liver spirit is called the hoon, which is really about. Courage and the ability to make a choice and to act on a choice at the proper timing so they are a little different the spirit versus the emotion so when someone walks through the door you can sometimes and i'm sure you've felt this too you feel an energy from someone and for instance if their their lung energy or their po which is the spirit of the lung is weak they'll feel like they don't have very clear boundaries they'll feel like uh their you know their boundaries aren't there and they don't they're not fully within their body um, kind of rooted and planted to the earth so to speak so that's something you can feel right at the gate so i can keep myself pretty open when someone walks in to see what i'm feeling i look at their face their face tells so much it can tell you about their uh, past present and future it can tell you about the state of the organs it can tell you about their um, their uh, personality and so i just kind of see how things go and I first look, you know, of course we ask questions and see what's happening. So if somebody came in and said they did experience an emotional trauma, I'll start thinking, like you said, oh, how's their livers? Do I feel any sense of their inability to be courageous and to make a choice and to make an action and move forward? Or are they just kind of uh, feeling confined uh, in their space? And then am I seeing something maybe on the face that relates to anger or depression Maybe I'll see some shadowing in their temples. And then at that point is when I get them on the table and I start doing more exam, like I'll check their channels. I might feel along the liver channel and see, do I feel nodules at, say, liver three? Or um, when I go to check the pulse, I'll feel their pulse and say, hmm, is it more of a, a tenseness in the pulse at the liver? Is it more engorged where the liver's just almost like flooded? And with all these different signs and all these different symptoms that I'm hearing, I start putting a, a mental checklist together and see, okay, all these different symptoms that they're talking about, all these different signs that I'm seeing, what is kind of the common theme? Is it something to do with their liver or is it something more to do with their earth element and their digestion? And then from there, I can start um, crafting a uh, point prescription and then a prescription for their herbs.
0: Ah. And so you got to look at, uh, are we trying to calm it down? Are We're trying to increase it, mm. you know, based on the emotions as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then when you're looking at all of the, the points, that's where training comes in. There are certain meridians, there are certain points that are kind of common for treating depression. Like these are the depression issues, but depression could also be, I don't know, a stagnant liver. So sure. we got to look at all these points right. together <laughs> and then try to fix it together all at the same time. Yeah. yeah.
1: Lots of things to juggle. But, uh, you know, really for me, when I'm treating emotional trauma, what I find is when someone has an emotional trauma or that shock it scatters the energy. So no matter what their initial constitutional makeup is, what's going on with their balance of their organs at the time of the trauma, no matter what it scatters their chi we say. So, you know, your chi and your your whole body is running in a certain homeostatic rhythm, things are, you know, moving forward and when you have that trauma, it just shocks everything and scatters the energy where Things are not operating at their full potential. Their physiology is compromised. So one of the first things I really need to do is ground them and get them centered and really in their body. And so I have a specific protocol that I do for that. So in a lot of ways, when they come in, if if I am training for emotional trauma, I have a kind of a staged treatment. So one of the first things I do is for everyone is I say um, gather their chi. And then once their chi is gathered, they're in their body, then I move to the other steps. Ah, Mm. that's pretty good. Do you have to believe in acupuncture for it to work? No. And so the easiest easiest argument for that is it works on animals. And animals have no clue what's going on. So, you know, if your dog comes in with sciatica and gets acupuncture and gets better, they didn't believe in it. So um, that's how we can kind of just put that aside. You know, like with any medicine – you know, if someone is open and receptive and believes in, and trusts who's treating them, it's going to help with the treatment. But, you know, people come in all the time. I have a wide variety. I'm practicing in Salem, Oregon. It's in a rural valley area. We're not that far from Portland. But, you know, it's still um, – it's there's a wide variety of folks here, and there's some people who really um, – Question Chinese medicine and they it's kind of the last-ditch effort. You know, they've tried everything under the Sun and They end up at my door and say well nothing else works So I'll do this because my friend said it worked for them and they're a lot of times they pretty skeptical and They start feeling results. Oh wow, something's going on here and one thing I do and I'm sure you do this, too I can tell from your um, your way and I was looking at their podcast is it's all about kind of teaching. And so I really believe, like, you know, I teach internationally, I teach students, I teach uh, lay people, I teach all over, but I also teach my patients. And so as we're treating, as I'm treating, and as I'm doing my diagnostics, I talk to them just like I was talking to you about how I'm looking at the pulse, looking at the face, because I think it's helpful if they understand this is actually a scientific medicine, it's just a different paradigm from Western medicine.
0: Yeah, I think... Now, that's one of the questions we like to ask is some of the most common misconceptions, Mm -hmm. uh, kind of addressing some of them. But when you start talking, if you have someone that's completely not into acupuncture, Eastern medicine, they're just like, look, I just don't have any other options. Right. You know, Do you have to tailor the words that you use so it doesn't seem so, quote, out there for these people? Or are they just like, eh? (laughs) He talks weird, but I don't know. After a couple of weeks, it really worked. That's fine enough for me.
1: Well, I do try to tailor it for each person. You know, when I go uh, and each person's a little different. So for some people, I can kind of jump to a place of talking about, you know, working with the spirits and working with um, that kind of more energy aspect of the body. But a lot of people say specifically, you know, working with interstitial fluid, working with connective tissue. You know that's what the channels are about. So I'll try to frame it in whatever wherever there's wherever they're at. I try to meet them there, and then you know start bringing more you know throwing more of the esoteric terms in there. Yeah. And you know after a couple of weeks, maybe they're more used to what I'm saying. I can talk uh, more at length about more of the Chinese medical terms, so to
0: speak. Is there any other misconceptions that you'd like to squash? Oh, we have you on the show? Well, I mean, I think that was the, you know, thats the main thing—is the the
1: aspect that it's not scientific and that it's something that just oh, you know, when they were you know five thousand years ago, somebody was in battle and a an arrow hit him in the leg and all of a sudden their stomach got better. So that's why acupuncture works. And you know, I even you know for the longest time was running. Well, how did they really understand the body? How did this? Did they just start experimenting? But really, um, from what I'm understanding from my teachers, especially my uh, qigong teacher, teaches me divination and also um, astrology. Master Zhang Shan Wu, who teaches all over the world, he um, explains it that you know through qigong, when you're in your meditative state, you can feel the channel pathways, you can sense where the organs are, the feelings, the spirits of the organs, and you're able to tune into the the way the body's working. I mean, three thousand years ago, they knew there were nine planets out there. How do they know it without telescopes? So, there's when you get into that deep meditative of of state, you can actually connect with something bigger than yourself, and also see that micro system and that um um the way things are functioning in, in, inside.
0: So there's a it does take a little bit of training. Like if you are into like meditation, which is pretty popular right now, and you mm-hmm. might be sitting with your feelings and you notice a tightness maybe by your liver or tightness in your chest or some other kind of feeling. Mm-hmm. Once you're training, like, oh, those actually were feelings that I could have done something about or admit more than just what it felt like on the surface. Yeah. And
1: I, you know. Now In fact, I actually talk quite a bit about that when I'm uh, working with people because when you feel that emotional trauma, um, if it's not processed at the time, which a lot of times it's not, it ends up cycling in your body. And that's where they get the PTSD idea. And so something might trigger you. Say you're in a car accident with a red truck, you know, 10 years ago, and then you're driving down the street and you see a red truck pulling out. You're going to think, oh, it's going to hit me. All that just floods right back. That limbic system gets charged. It sends those signals to the brain, stem to the body. And all of a sudden you're back in that sympathetic state of, oh, my gosh, I'm going to be in a car accident. And so you get this, uh, I call it the surge of the emotional trauma. And so the second stage of my treatments really are about soothing that surge but when people feel that surge, I ask them, I say, wait, you know, when you feel that, it's okay, but try to identify where it is. Are you feeling it in your chest? Are you feeling it in your stomach? And not just where you're feeling it, but what color is it? What shape is it? Is it heavy? Is it light? Is it does it have a, a border to it? And have people sit with that feeling and you know, really experience it. Because typically all of us we feel something uncomfortable, we want to get away. We're gonna get on our smartphone mm-hmm. or call our friend or watch TV. And so I say, just sit with it for a moment and then feel your hands and feet and you'll feel tingling. And what it is, it's your body's way of helping you to kind of flush and clear that energy. So that's what I, you know, I do a lot of work with people in terms of just acupuncture and Chinese herbs. I also do a lot of uh, self-care techniques. And in the book, there's quite a few self-care techniques. This is one of the techniques that's um, transforming that emotional surge. And it's just like you said, you know, people feel these things in their body. And once they stop and
0: breathe and they can just sense it, their body has an innate ability to clear it. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. But like I said, if you're not aware of it, you won't even know that you should do something about it sometimes. Right. And that's pretty common for a lot of us. We're just kind of on autopilot in a
1: lot of ways. And, you know, until something really shocks you again or you see you get triggered by that emotional trauma, you might not really even realize it's there. But I see emotional trauma really being the underlying of a lot of physiological imbalances. So a lot of the you know, internal medicine disorders, say um, leaky gut or asthma or um, any of these type of physical symptoms, you know, chronic pain, there a lot of times is a tie-in to
0: an emotional imbalance, and it could be from an emotional trauma. So it's something that I always want to look at too. When we're going on this path, the most common, maybe top three type of patients that you do see that come in, what are they coming in for? Well, I mean, besides chronic
1: pain, I mean, Chinese medicine and acupuncture has really been accepted by the Western medical field for treating pain. So I get a lot of referrals from doctors and chiropractors and naturopaths and these kind of uh, people for, uh, they come to me for pain. And that's one of the common things that, I mean, I think that one of the number one things people go to any doctor for is for pain. So I see a lot of pain, uh, pain conditions. Um, And then I would say after that, I see quite a few um, people coming in for emotional uh, conditions. So that could range from anything from anxiety, depression, feelings of anger, feeling of worry. And then another thing that I see a lot and I'm really trying to uh, help a lot with are people just feeling like they're not at their full potential. They feel, oh, I'm not on my path or I feel like, you know, um, I'm not quite sure where I want to go next or you know I'm in this job but I don't think it's right for me this kind of thing and there's quite a bit chinese medicine can do to help with um, number one helping them so they can feel at their full potential to walk their destiny but even help them identify you know what talents and abilities do they have to share with the human family
0: mm. so let's take a step back okay you know we we like getting the part of the interview where we like to ask questions about giving back a little bit mm. so acupuncturists who are Starting out or maybe they've been in business for a while, but they're really they're struggling. What type of uh, advice could you give them?
1: Well, I think for me it would be to continue studying the medicine and to see what resonates with you So when I first graduated I took a lot of CEUs and studied with different practitioners because you know when you first get out of school at least with my experience and talking to other people you know, you get some, you know, kind of beginner's luck. Things start really going pretty well. You get some really amazing cases. I had a guy come in who's, who, uh, his eyes were crossed and he couldn't see. I did a, I did one treatment. All of a sudden he could see the next day, you know, something like that. Just like, you know, some just amazing thing or just beginner's luck, really. It was nothing. I just, you know, tried some points and it worked, but, um, then you kind of, I don't know, for me, I hit kind of a slump. I started feeling like, you know, treatments aren't working as well. You know, what's going on? And so it, it pushed me to train more. And so I started studying with Dr. Wang Ju Yi and learning channel palpation more in depth and learning point uh, prescriptions. And that helped me. Oh, okay, this stuff this feels good to me. And then I started studying with other teachers. And some teachers I really resonated with, some I didn't. And what I found through that process was I really discovered what was best for me what did i feel like i uh could be best in the chinese in chinese medicine it's pretty it's pretty you know pretty broad medicine there's many different approaches there's many styles just like with any medicine it's that way so i really encourage people to explore and to see what resonates for them and that i
0: think might help lead them to really discovering their passion for the medicine you make a good point i chiropractic oh we have so many techniques of right. how to actually adjust. Right. And some people hate instrument adjusting. They this think it's an abomination. <laughs> I actually love them. Right. And other people, they just they use a completely emotional technique and these they barely even touch you. And you're like, that's right. it. And you're like, I don't think that did anything. You barely touched my <laughs> neck. And um, anyways, the point is, if you mentor with somebody and they were like, oh, I am the guru at X, Y, and Z. And you start trying to do it. And you're just like... I can't get behind it mm. maybe you don't believe in it right. or you just not maybe you're not good at it or you just don't see the results yeah. your, your practice is going to suffer and then all of a sudden you go to a technique seminar you learn a new one you're like wow this is exactly the the style i like the practice i like
1: yeah
0: the the, the way the my hands are shaped because i don't have big hands so maybe maybe your technique is great when you have basketball hands but i don't have that <laughs> right. so i have to try something else sure yeah know. yeah
1: so, i think that's exactly the same with chinese medicine
0: yeah all right Just so keep looking keep learning right. i like it <laughs> Marketing. I know you got to probably do some kind of marketing, maybe referrals are your best best bet, which is it is for everybody. But do you have one or two marketing tips and tricks that we can help get our practices fuller. One thing that I found, um, you know, I came to Salem, and there weren't
1: that many acupuncturists there. So I got lucky, you know, there was already people had waiting lists going. And, you know, I came in and uh, fortunately, there was a doctor here who recently just passed away, Luisa Silva, who originally was an MD. And then, really had a passion for Chinese medicine and study, studied in depth and was uh, a major force in Salem for education. So she went out and educated not only doctors but the general public. And so when I got here, people already knew about acupuncture. This was, you know, 17 years ago. And, oh, they, you know, they knew what it was. Oh, great. Because you know, it not you know, it's not San Francisco. It's not Los Angeles. So that helped. But what I felt really helped me was going out and meeting people. And meeting other practitioners and trading with other practitioners and seeing their techniques, have them experience my techniques. And that way they could trust me to refer patients to me and I could understand what they were doing and I could refer people to them. And, you know, in Salem, at least, it's, it's you know, it's 300,000 people, but it still has a small town um, sense to it. And word of mouth is pretty strong in this town. And I think one way to get that to happen to kind of catapult you into getting your, yourself more in the circle is going out and meeting people. It can be intimidating at first, you know, cold call other chiropractors or their acupuncturists or their nature paths or MDs but just call them and, you know, talk with them and if you don't actually treat them or get a trade, maybe just have lunch. That that really helped me. I would say that was, that was actually the main thing that I did. Um, but then also, you know, in the you know, electronic age, doing, uh, making a website. I've had maybe six or seven different versions of my website since I first got here. I had a website when I first got here and I was one of the only people who had a website for Chinese medicine. Um, Now, of course, everybody has a website, but you know, that website is way out of date now. So I had to keep, you know, uh, keeping that up to date and keeping it current. And just on that note, you know, I was able to finally learn before I was really dependent on my webmaster to any kind of changes I needed to make. But, you know, I think by, keeping you know i you know i'm gonna put this podcast on my website tomorrow when i find out exactly when this is gonna air and have those things um you know there for people and when the book came out put the book on there so i would i think that's a nice thing to have too is keep the uh keep the website up to date and try to make it as user-friendly as possible are you on wordpress i'm actually on squarespace squarespace okay and it's uh this friend of mine um Freddie Ruiz, he's the one who showed me. He's my webmaster, and it's, it's used by a lot of artesian restaurants, designers, photographers. It's a little more artsy, but I, I really like it. And uh, I just had some recent feedback from people who found me on Google. I don't, I don't usually get people from the Internet, but they all oh, really liked a website, really easy to use. You guys seem really nice, and it seemed friendly. So I, I
0: like that. But I've seen some great WordPress uh, websites as well. You know, you made a comment about visiting other doctors and, and treating them and mm-hmm. I always get a little nervous mm-hmm. when another I'm like, they're judging me. I hope this goes correctly. <laughs> right. And I tend to always learn a little something, like I may not use it all the time, but it'll it'll click for the right patient. Yeah. Like, oh I, I felt this doctor do that right. to me. I think that's what he was doing on the ask or whatever. And yeah. It's just like wow, you can learn some new things too. I think it's great. Yeah, it's intimidating at first, but yeah, I've learned things even from
1: chiropractors just maybe how they run their business or how they uh, interact with patients. It's, it's great to have
0: that community effort. Yeah. What happens in uh, five years? Where are you seeing yourself? Where are you seeing acupuncture? Well, um, for me, I have just released this book. And so
1: my goal is to get out there and really teach about emotional trauma. I've been teaching for the last, I guess, five years now, teaching facial diagnosis, channel palpation and qigong, which I do incorporate, of course, with emotional trauma. But it's something that you know, is becoming more recognized and something that's being more validated for people. So I'm hoping to get out there and uh, teach this internationally. Now, when you
0: say internationally, what does that mean to you?
1: Well, um, yeah, so I, I recently was t- – I've been to Europe three times the last three years teaching at the TCM Congress in Rothenburg, which if you haven't been to Rothenburg, it's, it's a beautiful town. Um, it's out in the middle of nowhere. It's a castle city, but they have this – international uh, Chinese medicine conference there every year and so for the last few years I've taught there I've taught in Denmark I've taught in Mexico I've taught in Sweden and so I just uh, heard from uh, I might potentially be teaching in Australia so for me it's just getting getting out there and of course teaching in the United States too and, and now with the podcast like this is great this is kind of a great way to kick off 2018 I really appreciate you having me on the show because I know this is another way to get the word out without having to actually travel. So yeah. for me, I guess just in all those different ways, getting out to, uh, to the public.
0: Well, I was very excited. I will uh, self-plug, I guess. But okay. one of the guests was, is, is a vet. He sells cold lasers. And uh-huh. I happened to look at my email today, mm-hmm. which is January. Yeah. And I was in their huge weekly – email blast blast. Okay. You know, and they just <laughs> it was one of the five things that they covered. And I was like, hey, well look at there. <laughs> That's so wonderful. just to say like you know, you, you can do all kinds of things once you are on a podcast, mm-hmm. you can market it. You can yeah. There's so much that you can do. And I don't think a lot of people do enough. And I know I've been on other shows and, you know, I've got other things going on, but I fell victim to the same thing. It's like you could promote that to, and I'm not. I'm talking to you. I'm not saying you, you got to promote it from a podcast, but <laughs> for guests who are listening, like if you get on a show, like you can use that as a marketing tool. I'm getting invited to do things, right? Like, I know what I'm doing. Like, why would they call me if I didn't know what I was doing? Yeah. You know. <laughs> well, it's great.
1: You know, uh, this is this is all. It's the second podcast I've ever done. I've just interviewed about a week ago, and it did make me think. Wow, this is great because. Um, I'm not sure how your podcast works, but at least I can have a link from my website to your mm-hmm. podcast and then people can hear it at any time. You know, Oh, I can't, I'm not available this weekend to go see you teach at a school. Well, guess what? You know, you can download this and listen to it anytime. So yeah, it's a great way to go.
0: Get your feet wet. Like who is this guy? Right. Let me listen to him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I like him. I, I, vibe, I vibe. I think I vibe with this guy. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. So, well, we're doctors, we're acupuncturists. We're solo right for solo clinics mm-hmm. how in the world are you able to take vacation and are you able to take more i try to keep
1: everything pretty balanced i take about a total of maybe a month off every year you know through different long weekends or a couple weeks here and there and i i really try to strive to make sure i have time not only for me to go on vacation but also to study with my teachers i have uh, four different teachers i'm currently studying with you know, then I have a family, I have uh, my, my partner, so just making sure I have that type of time, and I also try to keep my work, I work four and a half days a week, five days, you know, four and a half days a week, uh, nine to five, and I have a pretty busy life, besides, I mean, now with this book being done, I gotta say, my whole life feels completely open now, but, uh, you know, I also play music, and I'm in a band, and um, I also am a DJ. I volunteer on a radio station, so I try to make sure I have time for all my different things to keep me balanced. Because I think it's important, as we all know, to keep that time for self cultivation and for for fun. So it's I try to keep the mix. Did I see that you released a drum CD?
0: Yeah.
1: So uh, one thing I did. It was in the summertime. I, one thing. I, so I, I'm a drummer, and I've been playing uh, in a rock band since I've been a teenager and I still play in a rock and roll band, and that's kind of my yong to my yin of doing Chinese medicine. And uh, But I've always been into, I've, I've loved drumming. In fact, when I chose Chinese medicine, I was thinking, this will be my profession. You know, I could do this for money, but I'll really be able to do my drums on the side. That's what I love. Well, now I love Chinese medicine just as much, but I was really finding myself in this dichotomy. Like, you know, I was rock and roller by night, acupuncturist by day, and I was trying to think, how can I bridge those together? So I started studying with a drum teacher who does drum healing, and now I use drumming in the clinic. So I use a frame or a hoop drum. You see this lot with Native Americans, but it's common in many, many indigenous cultures. They use it in China. They use it in Africa. And so what I'll do is I'll do I'll put the acupuncture points in, and then I'll drum over the patient. I'll have the frame drum. and just hover over the patient with the drum. And I've been finding amazing results. It really helps a lot. And people were saying, well, I love this drumming, but I want to be able to listen to it. So I went in the studio and... Uh, this guy I usually record rock music with, and we had four mics on each drum. And I had this huge uh, Chinese thunder drum. I had brought my hoop drum in there. I brought a djembe in there, and I did the, the kind of like this journey beat. But I also did the five element beat. So there's a beat for each organ system, so to speak. And so I recorded those, and it's called Resonating Vitality, and it is available on Amazon. And um, it's uh, C. Period T Holman. Uh, but my name is normally C.T. Holman. But at any rate, yeah, so I did record that CD, and it's been doing,
0: doing pretty well. People have really found it effective. We won't spend too much time on that, yeah. but that sounds pretty wild. Yeah. Like, that's kind of cool, to, you know, man of many hats here. Yeah. So when we're talking significant others, partners, mm-hmm. is there a way we can keep the love alive so we don't just end up sad and hurting people that we love?
1: Right. That's a very good point. That's why I'm taking uh, – my girlfriend Tammy to Kauai in a couple of weeks.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. I think it's, it is very important to keep that balance. You know, fortunately Tammy is also practices Chinese medicine, but I, that's why for me, when I, I work, you know, nine to five, when I close that door at five o'clock, that's it. I'm done with Chinese medicine in terms of, you know, working with my business, working with patients. I want to be home and be present. So be present with Tammy, be present with my kids and then make sure we have time to to communicate. I think communication's the key. And you know, if you're so busy you can't even talk about stuff, that I think is when
0: problems could arise. Weird at a good bit. Yeah. It's all about communication. Right. Like. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> well, you might have one of these. It could be morning lunch or even a a nighttime routine, as one of my recent guests Uh had mentioned. Mm -hmm. Anything that grounds you and excites you for the rest of the day so you can stay focused? Well, there's a few things I
1: do. Um, When I wake up in the morning after I shower, I usually do yoga, stretching, calisthenics, and meditation. This isn't too long a thing. It's maybe 20 minutes. And then um, when I get to work, I do another. It's a Qigong meditation. It's called Tugunashin. But anyways, it's bringing clear energy into each organ. And then I take a nap every day. I highly recommend naps. I think naps are wonderful. And I take after lunch, I usually take a walk and then I take a nap. And so that kind of resets me again. And then when I come home after work, I do this thing called shaking qigong, where you're literally bouncing up and down and shaking all these different joints. I do that for about 20 minutes. And that's a way to kind of shake off all the old energy of the day so that I can be clear for the evening. So I have a few of those things. And they all do seem to... Yeah, they stimulate me and they also help me to feel clear and grounded and, you know, really so I can be present and be excited for treating and for whatever
0: else I'm doing. And I don't think people realize this. Like, you know, I'm living in China and mm-hmm. some of the things that you're talking about, people, it's just part of their lifestyle. Like mm-hmm. when they're at a grocery store, if they have a certain symptom that they're feeling, they may not eat certain things that day. Mm-hmm. They won't buy certain things right. if they're on their period. Right. You know, they won't eat mm-hmm. You know, won't eat ice cream. Right. It'll make it worse. Yeah, exactly. So – you know, so when you're talking about these things, we might look at it like, boy, you're doing a lot of stuff all day. And you're like, well, it's just it's part of a routine. It's just like, well, you might go to the gym and push some weights and do 30 minutes of cardio. Right. Well, it's very similar. It's just like how you um, you set your life up. And, and obviously in China, it's easier because they grew up with that. Right. It's just common knowledge. <laughs> it's those things you do. And you're like, yeah. that, that seems so odd to us. Yeah. But um, yeah. it's what you learn. And then you see it practiced. And you see the results. And you're just like, oh, I'm going to just keep doing this. Yeah, I would say that's the reason why I was
1: able to do this book is through Qigong. I mean, I was working the same amount of hours while I was writing this book for the last couple years, but uh, also at the same time writing. So I would be basically writing through the weekend and sometimes in the evenings. And I keep continually thanking Master Wu for his teaching because the Qigong kept my energy. It kept me strong, kept me clear so I could uh, have the time uh, mentally to even um, take something like that on. So you're right. I mean, in China, there's a lot of people doing Qigong. I mean, you see it more in the older generations and the the younger generations, maybe not so much, but um, it is something that I think is part of a lifestyle. And like you said, nutrition, like in the book, I talk quite a bit about uh, different nutritional ideas, general ideas, and then specific for each person's makeup, how they can help their body to feel strong and not impacted by you know emotional you know winds that come through the body or old traumas this kind of thing
0: how many hours would you say a day that you have to work on your book
1: oh man I don't even want to know
0: because it would throw <laughs> me off. I would spend probably a good
1: uh, 20 hours every weekend on the book and then during the day you know when I'm treating patients I treat two to three people an hour but I still find some time to have a little extra <laughs> so I would maybe be looking at something for some quick editing um, So I don't know, I spent probably a good 30, 40 hour, well, maybe I'll just say maybe 30 hours a week on the book for, you know, I was writing solidly for a year, and then after that, you know, I turned this manuscript in back in March, but there's a lot that goes in production, you know, Singing Dragon, I feel very lucky to be with them as a publisher because, you know, they then took it and, you know, did some editing with it and help with the layout and the cover, and it's quite a whole process i didn't realize how much it all
0: took but um when i was in the throes of it it was it was pretty intense yeah yeah, uh, yeah i was gonna say when you get a publisher it, i didn't i self-publish but mm-hmm. there's so much editing and you gotta wait and you're just sitting there you're waiting yeah and then they finally give it back to you and you're like wait what how much <laughs> you need me to redo <laughs> yeah i was really
1: blessed i was uh you know before i started the book i said you know I, I didn't know how to write, you know, let alone know what I'm going to say. So I kind of put it out there. I was like, it'd be really great if I could find someone that I could maybe mentor with or uh, tutor with. And I just kind of fell out of the sky. This guy who is an English professor decided to uh, do all the, the reading and the editing for the book. So I had other people in the field like Master Will and Lillian Bridges and Jason Robertson who also read it and helped me with uh, editing but having Rick from the beginning, I mean, we went through so many drafts. So by the time I gave it to Singing Dragon, actually, there weren't a ton of edits. But it's interesting once they get it, how much they have to do with the, uh, you know, I thought I game with this beautiful layout. I was like, I was so proud of myself. It looks so great. I spent all this time with the tables and everything and shading. And then they took it and took it to a whole other level. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, such a group effort. And I feel so grateful to have so many people who contributed,
0: and I mean, it's, it's a long list of people that really helped me, and so it's really a group effort where this book came from. All right, so uh, besides C.T. Holman's amazing book, okay. what other kind of books, blogs, or podcasts do you secretly love, and would you recommend for other people to look at? Well, there's one book I really, really
1: like, and it's what inspired me to go back into to depth with my my studies, and that's called Fourth Uncle in the Mountain, I'm going to probably not say his name correctly, but Quang Van Yuen, who's from Vietnam. It was co-written with Marjorie Pivar. And so it's called Fourth Uncle in the Mountain. And it's an amazing biography of Quang's dad. And they were in Vietnam during the Vietnam War. And he was practicing uh, classical Chinese medicine. And it was just, like you said, a lifestyle. It wasn't just, you know, oh, I do this and on the side something else. He's he's all completely immersed in it. And it wasn't just about doing acupuncture, but really the spiritual aspect of Chinese medicine that I think in some ways has maybe been lost a bit in uh, modern times. So and it also really speaks about the depth of when we do diagnosis, how much we can really see in terms of the pattern that's currently going on. But you can really see the past uh, belief systems and the past um, patterns that really set the stage for what's currently happening and where things are going in the future. So I really recommend that book. Um, I also recommend another book uh, called The Making of, the, of a Taoist Wizard. And that is really about a, um, a, a real person from the Dragon Gate sect in the Jiangnan Mountains in China and his training as a Qigong master and all the things that the body is truly capable of that sometimes seems unbelievable. But um, studying with Master Wu, I, I know that these things are possible. And it, it inspired me in terms of self-cultivation because that's something I think for all of us, we're always striving for, um, you know, trying to to better ourselves and learn Ways to really get into uh, the moment and to be able to be the best person we can be.
0: So there's some really interesting self-cultivation techniques in there as well. Are you ready for the final wonderful question? This Okay. We've got our favorite phone apps. What are you finding, whether it's business or pleasure, that you're going to and other people should probably check out as well? So i got to say, I'm not that techie. <laughs> ah! Yeah. No I know. This is
1: my second <laughs> podcast. Come on. Uh, yeah, so for me, I, uh, I was thinking about I was thinking, okay, what kind of, I know you, you, to be honest, you, know, you told me some of these questions in advance, and I was thinking my favorite phone app, and I was joking with Tammy, I was like, gosh, I don't know, Facebook, um, and I don't even really like Facebook, to be honest, but I use it because it really helps me to connect with people for teaching, but um, there was an app that I was using for a while uh, called the Insight Timer, and okay. it's basically a meditation app. And the way reason why I like it so much there's a selection of all these different uh, bell tones that you can use for when your meditation time is finished, but they have some good meditations on there as well and some good guided things. Um, that's something that I found pretty helpful. Just called Insight Timer. So, Very good. Sorry have, not
0: everybody has an answer. Phil. Yeah, not the best finale, I guess you're looking for, but
1: that's that uh, for me is I guess where it's at. <laughs> hey.
0: There's no wrong answer. (laughs) (laughs) Well, how can people find out more information about you, the book, and all that jazz?
1: Well, there's my website, like you said, uh, www.redwoodspring.com, just singular, Spring, Redwood Spring. And on there, there's links to my teachers, to uh, – the my teachings my seminars this kind of thing you can also find the book on amazon it's on amazon in the states it's on amazon uk for people in australia there's china books that's how you can get the book um the cd is also on amazon and um for those of you interested in some of my teaching with lotus institute there's uh, lotusinstitute.com and you can go there to find out what lillian's she's my facial diagnosis teacher who now we co teach classes um, all
0: over the world. And so there's going to be a listing of classes there as well. Two quick follow ups. Mm-hmm. Do you have to be an acupuncturist to take these Lotus classes?
1: No. And so that's interesting. Um, with these classes, we've had people from all walks of life. I mean, counselors, chiropractors, you know, people in the health field, but even people one of them, this one woman, she restores art. So she'll take a piece of art that has, you know, been dusty and been left in a garage or something for a long time and actually bring it back to its original quality. So, you know, it's a wide variety of people. And I got to say, the classes I teach as well, I teach uh, shamanic drumming classes. That's for all folks. I also teach facial diagnosis for all folks. So um, a lot of these seminars are, um, are open. I do teach some that are specific for Chinese medicine practitioners. I teach some that are just for doctoral students. It just depends, and so that's usually delineated on my website and also on Lotus Institute. Okay, yeah. and
0: then what's Redwood Spring?
1: Redwood Spring. Um, so I'm from California. I was uh, I'm originally from Southern California, and then I moved to Northern California, and that's where there's a huge stand of redwoods. And I would go to a great area in Northern California. There's a campground there called Prairie Creek, and it's a it's a beautiful place where there are. Um, there's really a prairie with elk. There's a herd of elk there. And they will walk through the campground. It's amazing. But there's all these great trails. And so all these trails I would I just really did a lot of meditation, a lot of a uh, lot of reflection. And, you know, many of the Native American tribes that were in the California coastal area would think of the Redwoods as their church. Because in the redwoods they're so dense, the, the tree canopy is so dense, there's not a lot of things growing or living in the redwood forest, so it's very quiet. So, I always thought of that as being just this beautiful uh, place for peace and for relaxation, harmony. So, I wanted something with Redwood. And then I found, I saw this trail called Redwood Spring. I said, like, It was perfect. It has a great ring to it. And spring, like spring to life, but also that water,
0: they're that giving you that, that nourishment. So. Well, I'm glad I asked because that's, that's a pretty cool story. <laughs> <Yeah>. Thanks. <laughs> well, thanks again for coming on the show
1: yeah thank you so much this is really fun I really had a great time
0: tonight hey everybody I hope you enjoyed this week's episode I want to make you aware of a couple of things Adoctorsperspective.net. doctorsperspective.net we got a few things to talk about we've got some free handouts for nerve pain, numbness in the arms and legs and also a 12 exercises if you experience some back pain and want your core stronger you experience some neck and shoulder tightness and pain these are free to download okay it's under resources. Also under the resources tab is my new book, Needless Acupuncture, Self-Treatment Guide for 40 Common Conditions. Stop the hurting with no needles or meds, your roadmap to self-treat your condition painlessly. We're talking things like anxiety, insomnia, neck pain, back pain, uh, possibly some knee issues, stomach issues, tired, arm and leg pain, even a little bit of sinuses, toothache, all those types of things. This book really is for those, they're busy, they don't have time to drive to an office, spend an hour and go back to work, all right? So this book allows you to do it from from your own house. It's also for the person that maybe doesn't have an acupuncturist within like a 90-minute drive just to go see one. So that's pretty inconvenient. It's also for the person who is afraid of needles. So there's alternatives to that method that we show you in the book. And lastly, for the person who's like, I really can't afford as much care as I need. So this is a way, invest in a book, and now you're able to do it at your house with pictures, with words, and even videos. Things that I've learned from working in China, Western references, Eastern references, and practical experience. So check it out. I think you're going to like it. The first book, Today's Choices, Tomorrow's Health, again, is version 2.0. We got everything from what is chiropractic, what is pain, some exercises, some stretches, lots of lessons learned from my time in China, like portion control, is it okay to feel hunger, secret recipe, heck, and I love talking about it. I even got a whole section on finances, like budgeting, creating a budget, how to scale back if you overspend, which is a huge problem for most people. So I'll cover that. It's got some really good reviews. So hopefully you will take a look at that. You can get it as a PDF for free or you can pay for it in different areas. Lastly, of course, we've got some chiropractic tongue in cheek T-shirts about being a mixer. You do rehab. You do adjustments. You think the adjustment's really a powerful thing, but you also believe that you need to do muscle work and those types of things. We got some pretty cool shirts, mixers, and under the resources tab as well. Well, as always, wherever you listen to the show, if you rank it five stars, that would be awesome. And of course, on the top right of the website, there's all the social media icons. Pick your flavor, follow me, interact, and I interact back. If you got any suggestions, email me. Have a good week. We just went hashtag behind the curtain, and this episode has come to an end. I hope you got the right dose for your optimal life. Please spread the word about this podcast by telling two friends, sharing on social media, and visit the show notes on adoctorsperspective.net to see all the references from today's guest. A sincere thank you in advance. You've been listening to Dr. Justin Trosclair giving you A Doctor's Perspective.